joy that God gives today from the book of Philippians. I've learned so much in this church. I really have. I really, it's just been a real blessing. I, um, I learned that a ladies' quartet can have five people in it. It takes three people to lead singing on Sunday night. I, I, I learned that. This is, this, I mean, I'm fitting right in with this crowd here. I'll tell you. It, it, and then today at lunchtime, they were asking if uh, Lynn and I were dating each other, whether we had glistening in our eyes or not for each other. Um, when you get 72 years of age, that glistening is cataracts. And uh, <laughs> it might even be bifocals is what, uh, what you're seeing there. But uh, we have just enjoyed very much uh, the last two Sundays being with you folks and uh, just dear folks. And we appreciate so much your kindness to us. So we're looking tonight at John chapter 13 in the Bible. We've used illustrations from... John Bunyan, we've illustrations from Jonathan Edwards, and tonight I want to give a little testimony myself about spiritual growth, and I'm entitling the message, Love One Another, that's from John 13, 34, and 35. As we did this morning with the book of Philippians, where we're going to be camping out, Lord willing, the next several Sundays on uh, Philippians beginning next week on spiritual growth that he prays for in chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. We're good. We did a kind of a bird's eye view of the book of Philippians. Tonight I want to look at this relational Christianity uh, looked at from a word that is used in the New Testament, translated one another. It's about a hundred different times in our New Testament that talks about the one another's of scripture. This is not taking away with, from anything that God is doing through the, the primary preaching of the word of God. I uh, remember one of the first verses I learned in seminary was 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, to preach the word, to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering. And doctrine, and God used the primary preaching of God's word in my own heart to grow me spiritually. I was not saved until I was 20 years of age in college there at Clemson as a civil engineering student. And I got involved in a church where the word of God was preached. It was, I had been involved in churches back in the Somerville uh, Monk's Corner. Those of you who might know that part of South Carolina. Uh, Monk's Corner and... Uh, North Charleston area where, and in one case, the church, the pastor preached out of the newspaper. I mean, there was no Bible preaching at all that I was exposed to in the past. And to be around a, a pastor that actually opened up the word of God and said, thus saith the Lord. All of a sudden, God was using his word to grow me spiritually. He was using the scriptures by the spirit of God indwelling me as my teacher, making me more like the son of God. But he was using also other Christians in my life, sometimes that pastor or an assistant pastor or another Christian walking with Jesus Christ that he was using in my life as well. And uh, that relational Christianity that is talked about in John 13 translated one another 
as I said, used about a hundred times in the New Testament. As God began to work in my own life, I got an old Schofield Bible at 20 years of age. I had never marked in my Bible in my life. I thought you were not supposed to write in your Bible. And at 20 years of age, I began to get under the preaching of the Word of God, and I took an ink pen, and God forbid, I was writing in my Bible. And I had the margins filled with notes and things I was learning and cross-references and things I was learning and what things God was teaching me. And as I began to mark my Bible and look, I started having questions. I didn't go to a Bible study. Have you ever been to one of those studies where people go around and say, what do you think about it? What, what does it mean to you? This is what we call share your ignorance Bible studies. It wasn't one of those. I didn't need one of those. I didn't need one of those share your ignorance Bible studies at all. I needed somebody that knew, that was walking with Christ and knew the scriptures and could help me in God's word. It was not one of those two. I went to a church one time where they got a quarterly and they pass it around the room and everybody read a paragraph from it. And I mean, nobody learned anything from it. This wasn't, this wasn't that kind of, uh, of study at all. But I began to find out that in times of fellowship, sometimes even with a cup of coffee and a donut, I could ask, amen for donuts, amen. I like that, that hot and ready sign on at Krispy Kreme. Yeah, you're like, I could ask a question and somebody might be able to say, I either know the answer now or let me find it and I'll get back in touch with you. It wasn't wrong to ask a question. I wasn't looked down on. And people could take the Bible, another one of the one another's, is it says that we're to speak the truth to each other in love. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. God began to work in my life. He brought refreshing friends to my life. And as I mentioned last Sunday, as we looked at how that you and I, from Philippians chapter 2, could have unity with Christ's humility. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. That's actually that same word in the Greek for the one another's. In verse 4, Look not every man on his own things or his own interest, but every man also in the things or interest of others, that's also that same word. And God brought some refreshing friends into my life. People who loved me. People who cared about me spiritually. Get this, people who checked on me. Amen. People who checked on me. Yes, A lot of folks don't like to be checked on. But I wanted somebody checking on me. I wanted to grow spiritually. And I wanted somebody to, to check on me who loved me, who did not say, look, we've got our own little clique. We're not letting anybody else into it. It wasn't that. When I showed up, they said, look, come on over here and be with us. We're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. Can I tell you that some of our fundamental Bible-believing churches have slipped into some of that where they don't let somebody else in, where they don't seem to show the love of Jesus Christ as they ought to, where it's wrong to ask a question. And it's where if, if somebody indicates that they're struggling, they're almost looked down on. Yeah. Oh, boy, I was struggling. 
There were a lot of areas in my life as a 20-year-old young man that I needed, that I, God was dealing with me about. But boy, there were things I was tempted with and things I was falling, the things I wanted to do, uh, I didn't do. And the things I ought not to do, many of them I did. And I, I was struggling and I, 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 I needed somebody to know that I was struggling and could help me and point me to the scriptures. It was about that same time that my dad developed a tumor on his inner ear uh, he worked for the Polaris Missile Program down in uh, the Charleston area, Goose Creek area. That's what brought us to the Somerville area from Salt Lake City, Utah. And my dad had a tumor that developed on his inner ear, and he left him without any balance at all. I mean, we hunted and fished together, and we couldn't do that anymore. And here I was off at college, and I just had come to know Christ as my Savior. And, and here's Dad with the tumor. And here, can I tell you? Here's a Christian friend putting his arm around me. Let's walk around the track over there at Clemson. Let's walk around that track. I want to spend some time with you in prayer. Oh, boy. I needed somebody like that. I needed that kind of refreshing friend that encouraged me and pointed me that I could point them to the same God of all comfort when they were going through some kind of a struggle. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. They were willing to speak the truth to me as I said. They earned the right to confront me many times. They began to be interested in my own walk with Christ. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul was training Timothy. Timothy was to train faithful men, and those faithful men were to teach others also. Four spiritual generations there. God was using that in my own life, in my own spiritual walk. People who cared for me, who served me, who were willing to bear, the Bible says to bear one another's burdens, that's that same Greek word, Bear one another's burdens in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Over and over in the scriptures, God was using other people, primarily the word of God, preaching of the word of God, to grow me. But people who walked along beside me, who poured into my life, who cared about me, who helped me to grow as a Christian. Several of these one another passages I'd like to look at quickly with you and we're going to camp in the last part of the message on the loving one another which I believe is the overarching one another of scripture that everything else fits under that. It's used 16 times in the New Testament. Look at Romans chapter 12 with me. Pastor Capel did a good job this morning in Sunday school class. And we looked at Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, look at some of these passages of Scripture that are mentioned using this same word in Greek, the one another's. Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We, we, we're members one of another. We belong to each other. We ought to be watching out after each other. Somebody is dropping out and not coming. 
or somebody is not walking with Christ like they used to, somebody needs to go check on them. We need to care that much about them because we're members one of another. Chapter 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. That's the phileo love there. In honor, preferring one another. Verse 16 says, be the same mind one toward another. That is the same. We talked about that in Philippians 2. Be of the same mind one toward another. Chapter 14, verse 19. Chapter 14, verse 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify or build up another. So God uses you as he uses the word of God and my primarily you sharing the scriptures with others to help build up other people spiritually, to edify one another. Chapter 15, verse 5 says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. And then verse 7 says, Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. We, we ought to be accepting of other, of other folks into our fellowship and, and desiring to help them to grow spiritually. Verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish or to confront one another. J. Adams' book, Competent to Counsel, is based on that verse of Scripture. You, as Christians, you don't have to go some kind of training. You can go to training, and I thank the Lord for, for a biblical counseling training. But if you have the Bible, you can help confront other people. You can help them to grow spiritually. You can admonish one another, and often earning the right to do so by building relationships with them. Then... Uh, Chapter 16, verse 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. Now, a friend of mine went to Russia many years ago, and in Russia, men hardly ever brush your teeth. Don't use deodorant very much. And they kiss a man on the lips, even in church. Sister Joyce's uh, brother-in-law, Bill Hall, who has been my close friend for many, many years. Bill and Shirley were unable to have any children, and we, Dale Cunningham and I, kind of adopted them like our parents. And when my wife passed away, Barbara passed away 13 years ago, I had Bill Hall come and do the graveside service for my wife. But he tells a story of growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, and he had an aunt that dipped snuff. He told that story I don't know how many times. And she would come to him and she'd say, Kissy, kissy, Bill. <laughs> in 
in Russia with those men who would kiss another man. This friend of mine said that when he went to Russia to preach and that man kissed him on the lips, that, that fellow said, Ruski, which meant you're a real Russian now. <laughs> if Bernie comes over to give me a kiss, I'm going to knock his lights out. You hear me? You hear, you hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? We, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he'll, he'll knock my light. We're going to give a good hearty handshake and greet one another in Christian love. Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, love this text. Notice what it says in 3 and 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. Also do ye. So here is a forgiving one another and the forbearing of one another. That means we put up with each other, warts and all. And when I came into a church, a Bible-believing church for the very first time, I found some people who accepted me, warts Now, I, I meet people who have OCD. I mean, there's probably some people here in the church that have OCD. But I had ODD. Odd. <laughs> Don't you look at somebody else and tell me that you're thinking about somebody else here in the church. I'm just saying I had ODD. And they accepted me. I had all kinds of mannerisms and things, I mean, odd. Do you know why the Bible-believing fundamental churches, years ago a guy wrote, an evangelist wrote a book about the fact that fundamental churches have no heart. I said, I don't know what church you've been visiting, but I ain't been visiting that kind. The reason that fundamental churches have people who gravitate to it, who have what I had, ODD, is because they find a place where somebody will Somebody will love them for bearing one another in love. And then verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There is a correlation between being filled with the Spirit from Ephesians chapter 5, same evidences as letting the word of Christ dwell on you richly in, in Colossians chapter 3. Where the word of God feels at home inside of you and then you are used and others are being used even in the music that we sing as we sing the truths about God to one another. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. This text of scripture has meant, it's been one of those kind of ministry verses to me. I love the, where it says that we're to, in the, in the scriptures, that we're to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. That's a ministry verse. But this is another one. 
Exhort one another, and notice the next word. What does it say? Daily. You say, well, preacher, I don't know whether they really need any kind of encouragement uh, now. I mean, you know, they've, they've been doing so good spiritually for a long time. But notice what it says here. Exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It doesn't take long to slip. We need each other. And then Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Many of you have memorized this, these two verses. And let us consider one another, there it is again, to provoke or stir up one another unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But here it is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God uses the preaching of God's word to mold us and make us into what he wants us to be. He's building true holiness. Someone has said that true holiness comes by God doing a work in our soul. I was cleaning out some, some stuff the other day as we were moving from Whiteville where I was pastoring there for nine and a half years and whatever that semi-retirement meant to move uh, to Rock Hill, South Carolina, now where we live, I was cleaning out and I've got old stuff now for you young people. I found something called cassette tapes. I mean, I even found something that was eight-track tapes a long time ago. I'm talking about And I keep about everything. I don't know why. I mean, don't even have anything to play it on. Uh, uh, but I found a message by Brother Comfort on the holiness of God. I have, when I could, had something to play it on. I played that message many a time, one of the best messages I've ever heard on the holiness of God. God is doing a work to make us holy as he works in us using his word, but often he does it in a community of people who care about our soul. Who care about our soul. These one another's, we're going to look at several of them over the next several Sunday nights. But tonight I'd like to look at the one I believe is the overarching one. And that is found there in our passage, John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love. One to another. As I looked at this passage of scripture, I realized there were 16 times in the New Testament that he tells us to love one another. 1 John 3.18 says that we're not to love just in word only, but in deed and in truth. You and I are to, it's, it's action shown. God so loved the world that he Gave for love is giving in our relationship, in our marriage relationship at home. It's a giving love. In the church, it's a giving love. That love comes by the Spirit of God, it says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 
The Holy Ghost of God has allowed us to have love in our hearts, to be able to love people we never could have loved before. A different kind of love. He's told us that love covers a multitude of sins. When I thought about that, I think about how people today want to come and they want to come to the church and they want us to accept them and ask them to continue in their sin until you look at John chapter 8 when Jesus confronted the woman caught in adultery. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He didn't say stay living like you're living. For true love, true love will say, I will love the sinner, but I will hate the sin. That's the God's kind of love. God's kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says that God doesn't keep a, real love doesn't keep a list. A lady came to her pastor one day to, uh, said, honey, pastor said, my, my, my husband sitting next to me, he has, you wouldn't believe the things he's been doing all of these 13 years that we've been married. She said, um, just a minute, I've got a list in my pocket book. And she reached out and grabbed a list. It started all the way back when he didn't take the trash out the first time. Did you know that love doesn't keep a list? (laughs) Forget that list. The pastor said, let me have that list. She said, no, that's the only copy I got. (laughs) I'm glad love doesn't keep a list. God wants us to love. He says, as I have loved you. There's three different Greek words for love. Eros is not even used in erotic type love, not used in the New Testament. Phileo is the kind of a buddy, pal, friendly, brotherly love. Agape is God's kind of love. A self-sacrificing, giving kind of love. That was exhibited on the cross of Christ for you and me. Greater love hath no man than this. And a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus did by dying and shedding his blood upon a cross. Showing us what love is really all about. He freely laid his life down. Satisfying the wrath of God. And paying our sin debt in full. Hallelujah. That love that we're to love others with is motivated by the love of Christ for us. Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth me. That's what motivates me is the love of Jesus Christ motivates me to love others as Christ has loved me. He says in Galatians 5.13 that by love we're to be serving one another. That's why I say I think all the other one another's of the Bible are really Uh, under the arch of of loving one another. He tells us that God's kind of love envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 kind of love. It's a giving love. And matter of fact, in that chapter, in John chapter 13, the beginning of that chapter, our Savior washed the disciples' feet. He even washed the feet of Judas. He gave that kind of love of example of love. He tells us that we're in Ephesians 5 to love our wife. How? As Christ 
loved the church. A man came to his pastor and said, Preacher, I believe that I love my wife too much. He said, do you love her as much as Jesus loved the church? He said, no. He said, we hadn't loved her too much yet. Because that's the way we're to love her. As Christ loved the church. When my wife got the cancer and was in the hospital there in uh, Lexington, South Carolina, ready for the surgery on the colon, I had all kinds of preachers, some of them, many of them you would know, Bill Ergerdahl and others that came by. And and, uh, they would come in and say, "I'm, I'm here with Brother Ledbetter, I'm here with Brother Ledbetter. And they got about five preachers back there, and that nurse came out and said, how many preachers do you have? <laughs> My wife wrote me a note she handed to me right before she went in for the surgery, thanking us for loving her as Christ loved the church and loving our children that God had given us. And then she said, thank you for loving me by speaking those same three words over and over to me that I love to hear so often. And I turned it over. I thought he was going to say, I love you. It said, those three words are, let's eat out. Let's eat out. Let's eat out. God's kind of love is an action love. It's a humbled love. Love filled with humility. It's a sacrificial love. It's a giving love. It meets needs. It's a love that never ends. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says that there's nothing can separate you and me from the love of God. People say, Well, I I, I love that woman before, but I, I don't love her anymore. I said, You don't switch it on and off like a light switch. God's kind of love doesn't switch on and off like a light switch. Aren't you glad for Jeremiah 31, 3 that tells us that our God loves us with an everlasting love. I'm glad his doesn't switch on and off like a light switch. It's one of the evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. The very first one, love. We looked at joy today from the book of Philippians, but to be filled with the Spirit of God means that we exhibit love, God's kind of love. So it's that kind of love. I want you to love me, he said, as I have loved you. He said, I want to love, I want you just the same kind of love that I have. I want you to have that for others. And then he says in verse 35, by this, shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Did you know that the evidence to a lost and dying world that we are Christ followers, his disciple, his one who is following him, learning from him, it's not by the bumper stickers we have on our car. It's not by the cross we would wear around our neck. The evidence is how we love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one for another. We're to love God and we're to love people. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 
I began to study this passage of scripture. Herein is love, 1 John 4.10. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He sent his son to be the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I'll have to admit that in the four churches that I've pastored, nearly 40 years of ministry, Yes, we could truly say that there are certain people harder to love than other people are. But I'm commanded. This is not an option. This is a command. I'm commanded to love other people. Love God. And by that relationship, as that is growing, God gives me a love for other people around. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, Lord, thank you for the way you have used Godly people, preachers who preached the word, preachers who took time to pour into my life, who answered questions, who friends even in the church who were walking with Christ, who were growing themselves spiritually, who would take time to comfort, share scripture with me in the struggles I was going through encouraged me, encouraged me to do what was right, who walked alongside me, who pursued me when I began to stray, who poured their lives into me. Thank you that, God, you have shown us what real biblical love is all about. I pray that in our church here, Others would know the kind of Christians that we are by the way that we love each other. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today without Christ, they would realize that Christ has shown us what love is all about upon the cross of Calvary by shedding his blood that we might have everlasting life. He's the satisfaction for our sins, for the sins of the whole world. I pray, God, that you would help us if God can love us. And he loves other people through us that we ought also to love one another. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.